Hi, this is the thing about aging. I'm here as an executive at a global corporation, and we're sitting at a hotel in London. And uh, her corporation is doing some very exciting investigations into menopause and the effect on the workplace. And she's just this fabulous, dynamic woman. And so she agreed to speak with me. Hi. Hi. So what would you like to tell us? So I think it's, um, it's nice, certainly in the UK, menopause has probably been a dirty word, a thing you don't mention. In oh, it's not just in the UK. Yeah, so you take your shame and you hide it as best you can. Right. Um, and I think it's really refreshing that organisations like ours are starting to recognise. Um, a, following on from doing a lot of work on diversity in the workplace and the benefit that diversity of thought brings, so whether that's gender diversity, sexual diversity, just anything that stops you bringing your whole self to work. Mm. So having to put up a front and pretend to be something you're not actually blocks a lot of the creativity, blocks a lot of the passion, you know, and, and just is a negative in the workplace. So, um, so whilst we've been doing a lot of work on inclusion and diversity at a very genuine, holistic level, mm -hmm. um, one of the areas that has emerged as an area that we would like to get better on is um, how we support women in the workplace generally, how we encourage women into leadership, and what it is that's stopping them getting there. Mm. And um, there's a lot known about the early stages, so when you decide to have a child, what it does to your career in terms of career breaks, how you manage juggling children, those kind of things. And I think although we're not perfect in those areas, we've actually become much better and mm. um, our legislation drives some of that activity and young women are much more aware of the choices they are able to make proudly individually for themselves and their families okay. and I think we've come leaps and bounds there and, um, and I'm very proud of the work we do. I don't doubt there is more to be done but mm. um, I think it's good and I think then there's been this silent other end of the spectrum which is the perimenopausal moving into menopause where most women, even highly educated women, don't really know anything about it. It's not something we talk about before the event happens. Mm -hmm. It only really starts to become part of conversation with friends when somebody says, excuse me, I'm having a moment, or a hot flush or something. And <laughs> those of you not yet experiencing that look and think, what on earth is going on here? I'm sure that's not going to happen to me, right? Until, right. Oh, yeah. until that very first time when you think this feels really quite uncomfortable and maybe this is what they've been talking about. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I think really it's not just in the workplace. I think I think women in general have only just started to share these moments with their closest friends, mm -hmm. and then more widely, I think there's an acknowledgement that actually this can be quite a difficult stage in life. Um, but, but I think what's bringing it to the fore is I think a lot of women have decided they don't want to be ignored anymore. So this kind of, I'm past my child rearing or moving past that choice of child rearing, whether they are able to or not. Um, and into a bit of an unknown phase of, does my opinion matter? Mm -hmm. Where do I sit in the world? Um, and, and couple them with any crippling doubts that come with the health effects of perimenopause or menopause. Right start to make them lose confidence so the years they fought hard to have their voice heard at the table to be spoken um, and listened to you know, as the authority on a subject 
suddenly they lose self-confidence in themselves, um, particularly if they have an area of forgetfulness, or which is side effects. Absolutely. Um, you know, and suddenly they lose confidence and no longer put their voice onto the table mm. or try and get the elbows on the table. And uh, I think what happens is is they then take a back seat and everyone else thinks, oh, that's their bit done. You know, that's career over. They're obviously not trying anymore. Mm -hmm. They're past it, effectively. So I think we have these amazing women with amazing experience and big yeah. passion and compassion for the workplace and its people who are too often overlooked um, and too readily ignored and some of that is driven by them stepping back in a, in a panic of I no longer know who I am. I no longer control my own body in terms of symptoms. Mm -hmm. What if I stand up on a stage to talk to people and I don't know what I'm saying anymore? Good I have a points. momentary Oh, actually, I'm not the expert. Um, what if I stand there and I'm suddenly sweating and, I, you know, feeling like I'm going to faint in the moment or whatever? Um, yeah, and a range of other very, very difficult physical symptoms that people must bring to the workplace, particularly the fatigue, unexpected fatigue. Yes. Um, so, so if you have a, a female sales representative who used to drive hundreds of miles with no problem at all, in control of her day, and then she's driving along and suddenly she's hit with a bout of fatigue, which now means she's not able to continue her journey or she doesn't feel well enough. Mm -hmm. I hope what we're doing is starting to A, raise awareness, not just with line managers, but with the women themselves to say, these experiences are perfectly normal. This will pass, whether it's one month if you're lucky, if it's, if it's five years, if it's ten years. Mm -hmm. There is help out there, um, but actually we are prepared to work with you to um, see what changes we can make as an organisation, because to a global organisation it doesn't matter whether somebody starts work at five o'clock in the morning or, or eleven o'clock in the morning, it makes no Good difference point. to what they're able to achieve in the day. So if an individual woman needs to rest and her period of time of, of like getting into the vibe and everything is a lot later in the morning than it used to be, mm -hmm. there's absolutely no reason why she cannot adapt her workplace to, to allow her to perform at her best. And then she may flourish on into the early hours of the evening when other people might have dropped off their working day and gone home for childcare or other reasons, or they might have lost their energy by the end of the day, male and female. Yeah. So I think that greater flexibility that we're starting to talk about, it doesn't just benefit women, it benefits men as well. The workplace has changed significantly. I think with technology around now anyway, the, the amount of people having to rock up to an office 9 till 5 or 7 till 7 or whatever hours they used to work is different. Mm -hmm. So I think whereas maybe 20 years ago, if somebody was missing from a space, they'd be looking at the clock and where's that person? You know, why are right. they not here? Oh, they work later because they don't feel good. And then everybody knowing your business. Right. I think more often than not, nobody would know who was in or why or where they were or why. Right. But, but it, it requires a, a mature organisation and it mm -hmm. requires mature line managers. So I'm not for a minute suggesting that all of our line managers have fully got this. You know, we've practiced we've practiced agile working and flexible working for a number of years. There are still complaints, but I think what we're proving time and time again is those highly performing teams are those that don't look at what hours people are doing, but look at the output, mm -hmm. the connection between the team about being able to bring your whole self to work whether you're male or female, whatever age you are, that kind of flexibility in the workplace fairly applies to all, and it also benefits women going through the menopause. So, um, you know, I think that is really healthy. I think we've got a lot more to do.
They're trying to drive awareness seminars. They're trying to get people to talk about it. Um, face the embarrassment, because I think, you know, talking about premenstrual problems in a Western world or something like that, or, you know, these issues actually, and, and particularly for guys, but even for a lot of women, is a little bit squirmish and, you know, embarrassing, and particularly in an engineering-driven business um, where you've got lots of young male engineer mm -hmm. line managers who may never have had these discussions with their girlfriends who haven't with their mothers not have them with them <laughs> so you know this is challenging for them and they need to fully understand um, nobody's judging them and blaming them but I think the more women speak out as well and support other women and I think that's absolutely critical so if somebody even if it's your son or daughter comes home and complains and says oh you know Barbara's having more time off than me because she's apparently having problems mm -hmm. because they can't understand because unless you've had that phase of life why would you right. my friends used to say they were having hot flushes I used to think that's odd I mean you know I don't even know what they're talking about so so if you're 25 and, and Barbara's having hot flushes you know it means nothing to you so it's a great great source of complaint. You can go home and tell everybody you're working 15 times harder than Barbara who keeps having a flush and popping off for half an hour. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, if your mother would stand up and say, well, that must be very difficult for Barbara. I bet she feels awful. I bet that's, you know, that's really tiring. I remember when I went through that phase, I remember how exhausting it was. And yeah. people start to realise, oh, well, my mum's not a person who'd skive off work. My mum works really hard. Or my partner or whoever it might be work really hard and I know they wouldn't do it. Oh, I didn't realise that's what they'd experienced. And the more we normalise the experience, I think the quicker we'll find a solution. So and I think the other thing is I think medication is moving more very much so. yes. Whether yep. it's complementary medicines, whether it's women understanding. But um, I mean a lot of the things a lot of the concern for us is about fatigue. However that's caused, so whether that's about ill health or burnout, those kind of things. And I think the more we can support the work place in being a healthy environment where people understand that coming in fully rested is important that you know um, taking exercise having nutrition good nutritional food that supports your health so that minimizes um, things like hot flushes or, or any other kind of side symptoms is beneficial as well because it's a it's a holistic lifestyle package Absolutely. it's not just about I'm well or I'm not well I need to take some medicine or I need to take some rest or have a flexible workplace it, it's a whole smorgasbord of stuff and what one woman needs and one man needs is different. We're all unique. Absolutely. Now, you had mentioned to me that your organization is actually taking action and you have a doctor, a physician on staff who's yes. done a paper on this? Yeah. yeah. Um, and interestingly, so he's done this paper and um, it's very widely known and well publicized. And that's the paper we're now using to start to drive these conversations, build awareness, and to say this is completely normalized, you know, this is a respected uh, man in his field, and I say man because he happens to be, but it yeah. would have been the same had it been a woman, um, but this is somebody in this field saying this is an actual physical, biological need and response, and these are the things the workplace can do to support. And, and I think if we don't do it, quite frankly, then we have a very disenfranchised workplace. Um, you know, the amount of women around that period of time, so maybe 40 to 60, because mm -hmm. it can be such a long, long time, time. And, and such a difference for any woman going through this, somewhere in that spectrum. Um, I think, you know, if you have five years of a woman not able to perform, or worse, leaving the workplace because she feels her time is up, because she can no mm. longer perform, because the support isn't there, 
then the loss to the company is is far too huge to bear. Absolutely, and the societal loss is is. Yeah, massive, absolutely massive. But from a business yeah. performance point of view, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a business performance issue. Look after your people, help them to look after themselves, get the best solutions. Um, you know, and that's where we are. And, and as I said before, we're not perfect. We are in the striving and thriving phase. Um, but I love the fact we're aware. I love I the fact too. we can have the conversations. Um, and, and I think sometimes as well, it's a little bit about the conversation because. Even with friends, sometimes I think we do sound like moaning old women, you know, and that's not an interesting conversation to have. It's not an interesting conversation to have in the workplace when you're just saying, oh, my aching bones, my spinning head, my, my anxiety, my, my tenderness, yeah. you know. That's actually quite a difficult and depressing conversation because it, it disempowers you and it um, leaves other people thinking there's nothing I can do about it. But, but it's a real conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. But the next phase of that conversation is how can I adjust this? environment how what can I do to make this better so I love the conversations which are much more exploratory in terms of a woman come in and said I'm trying this new strategy and I'm gonna see if it works for me so it might be I've taken up hot yoga on a Wednesday or something mm -hmm. you know and and, and actually oh, I feel really different and as long as whatever happens in the working week I can get to my hot yoga class on Wednesday night I'm going to feel 10 times better than I did before might not be the perfect solution but for that one woman that might work and that excites me because then you Absolutely. can say do we need to put hot, hot yoga in the workplace you know or what is that thing right. we can go after that supports that and I, and I think nutrition is absolutely key especially for busy working people male or female um, you know are we making the right offers in our working environments are we just going for the quick sandwich coffee mm -hmm. fix or are we offering nutritional meals throughout the day so that people can replenish properly maintain their weight because you know the UK is suffering an obesity crisis um, diabetes is on the increase yeah. none of these things sit easily with also hitting the menopause um, and feeling right. well so so the focus on what can we do to feel well to be talking to ourselves in a way that facilitates that wellness how you can turn it around so actually instead of being this this is the end of my fertility period mm -hmm. it's terrible I'm feeling like I'm at the end of this life cycle yes. it's actually like wow look at the benefits here women coming into their power during and post menopause yes thank, thank you, you so nice much to speak to you. it's encouraging how businesses are starting to put menopause on their radar screen next time Deb Berry will talk about addiction her journey to sobriety, and how she completely rewrote her life after menopause. After 30 years working in education in British Columbia, Canada, she co-founded with her son the Kimbali Recovery Center in Bali, Indonesia. It's inspiring and relatable, and there's so much more to the story. By the end of it, you're going to feel like you have a new best friend. I know I did. This is Sharon Salzgiver. Thanks for listening, and that's The Thing About Aging.